Hello and welcome to the Parish Podcast of St. Anthony of Padua Catholic Church in the Woodlands, Texas. We're excited to share with you Sunday at St. Anthony's, a homily message from this past weekend that we hope you'll find enlightening. Thanks for tuning in and praying with us. As Jesus was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a sizable crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind man, the son of Timaeus, sat by the roadside begging. On hearing that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have pity on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he kept calling out all the more, son of David, have pity on me. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man, saying to him, take courage, get up. Jesus is calling you. He threw aside his cloak, sprang up, and came to Jesus. Jesus said to him in reply, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man replied to him, Master, I want to see. Jesus told him, Go your way. Your faith has saved you. Immediately he received his sight and followed him on the way. The Gospel of the Lord. Four weeks ago, you received uh, a homily from me where I reminded us that there are those who are being called to the priesthood, that there are those young men that are out there, that God is calling you to join him in his one priesthood where he offers the sacrifice for us, where he still continues to save people from their sins. My encouragement still today is young men, Always ask God if he's calling you to the priesthood. Ask him if he's calling you to that dignified way of life where he is still able to save people. Now, for us to really understand even that, we get the gloriousness that is our readings. And so let's dig into them. We have a few objectives then today for today's homily. To know who Melchizedek is, because knowing who he is, as is prayed in the Roman canon, is prayed in that Eucharistic prayer that we've had for 1,700 plus years, likely all the way back to the beginning. We need to know who Melchizedek is so that we can understand Jesus, so we can understand what's happening at Mass. So too, we need to look at how then it, of course, relates to the gospel and to our life. So let's look. Last week and this week, we heard about how Jesus is not just a high priest, he is the high priest. And that has important implications. As we kind of heard in in our second reading, in the time of the Exodus, Aaron, Moses' brother, and all of Aaron's descendants, that tribe of Levi, was made, chosen by God as a priestly class. The purpose of the priesthood, their whole reason for existence, especially the high priest that's spoken of in our second reading, when they do what they do on the Day of Atonement, the whole priestly class, though, was made for something. They were made to be sacrificial mediators. They were made to represent the people of God to God, to ask God for forgiveness, to act on the people's behalf, to plead even to God for them. 
so that through, with, and in that sacrifice offered to God, the sins of both the priest and the people may be forgiven. As we hear today, like Jesus fulfills that perfectly. And again, he's calling some of you young men to join him in that priesthood. But we know this sort of Aaronic is what is called Aaron, like Aaron's priesthood, is not the only priesthood that Christ has. There's something more because also, nerdy point, is Jesus isn't part of the tribe of Levi. He's not one of Aaron's descendants. This would have been what was shocking to the Jews. And of course we know he had no sins because he was God. So there's more to Jesus' priesthood. That's what God points out to the writer of the book of Hebrews today. So we need to ask, like, who is this Melchizedek? So that we can understand what Christ's priesthood is. So Melchizedek, he appears in Genesis chapter 14. This is about 500 years before Moses and Aaron. He's a mysterious priest. He comes out of like nowhere in the sacred scriptures. We know nothing about him except for that God reveals that he is the king of Salem. He is a king who comes out to Abraham, the father of all of God's people, to offer sacrifice. To offer a sacrifice of bread and wine in thanksgiving, in Eucharistia, for a victory. A victory over the king of Sodom and all the evils that were there. So what does that tell us about Jesus? God revealed to the writer of Hebrews that those two psalms that are used right at the end of that that passage today, Psalm chapter 2 verse 7, you are my son, this day I have begotten you. And Psalm 110, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Those psalms which the Jews interpreted as being about King David, King David who was a priest king and who, by the way, was the king of Jerusalem. Those are actually fulfilled not in David, but in Jesus Christ, who is the fulfillment the line of the line of David. He is now a priest king. He is the fulfillment of all priesthoods. He is the Davidic Messiah, the priest king, the one who now joins together those priesthoods of thanksgiving, of bread and wine, for victory over the battle, and unites it with a holy sacrifice of blood poured out. His blood. The Lamb's blood. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Thus transforming a mere offering of bread and wine. Transforming it into Him. His flesh. So that on this new exodus which is being spoken of in the book of Jeremiah to us saying that there's a coming time. A new exodus that's coming. That the blood of the lamb may be smeared upon this doorpost, the doorpost on our heart. And the angel of death may pass over us. And so that we too, while we're in exodus, in this desert place, may have something greater than the manna that was in the desert for the old covenant. But in the new covenant, have the new manna. Have him. What looks like bread but truly is Jesus Christ. Body, blood, soul, and divinity. This is who Jesus is. This is the priesthood we encounter in every single sacrifice of the Mass, in every single encounter. It's not, as so often we can get lost in, like a time for us to gather together. It is. This is the people of God re-coming together 
Like to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, that's also spoken of in Hebrews, where myriads of angels gather around the throne to something greater than Mount Sinai, where God gave the word in the Ten Commandments. This is not us to try to come and just praise and worship. No, this is a place where we come and Jesus Christ comes. The high priest comes and acts through a priesthood he has shared with others again so that he may perpetuate his sacrifice. He may represent his sacrifice, represent himself, the perfect sacrifice, so that we may be victorious, we may be free from sin, we who have prepared our hearts and come to him and receive this Eucharistic, this thanksgiving sacrifice when we are one with him in Holy Communion. He again may be victorious and free us and nourish us for the life to come. This is why, like one of the things you're noticing today, we have incense. You're like, Father, why do we have incense? Because in this parish, we desire to serve the Lord. And we're going to keep trying with Father Jesse and I here, like now trying to do what the general instruction of the Roman Missal, that Roman Missal that was retranslated, remember, in 2010? He and I that both have just been to seminary very recently and have been instructed by the church, our cardinal, are striving to do more of the things that the church would ask us to do to remind us what we are encountering, who we are encountering, that heaven, the timeless, the eternal comes here. Again, myriads of angels around the throne. We're in book of Revelations. It says tons of incense is around. Why? Because your prayers, your prayers are pleasing to God. And it's a beautiful fragrance that he loves because this sacrifice, where he is, where he's working, we have come together, it can change us. He can win victories. He can, through the intimacy that can be found here, again, draw us into communion with himself. Now those signs and symbols are good. They remind us of things. And we're going to keep having little adjustments here and there to help us understand like who we're encountering, what we're doing But because those signs and symbols aren't enough, they're not all that God wants us to do. This isn't like mere ritualism. We need to look at like how God wants us to properly prepare for the holy sacrifice of the mass, properly prepare to encounter him truly, really, and substantially. And so for that, we need to look at the gospel and our other readings. The first reading and the psalm give us a context that we need for the gospel. The reality is, as Jeremiah was saying, and as the song of rejoicing was in the psalm, is that we are in exile. We are a people, not home. We need a new exodus. And this is why Jesus came. This is why he wants to come again into our lives. If you didn't know it, just nerdy point, the word parishioner comes from the same Latin root as the word for pariah. We are pariahs in this world. We are on the outskirts. We who have been chosen by Christ in the waters of baptism, we are not of this world. When we're really living like Christians, we will be odd. We will like not be because we're, we're, this isn't our homeland. We are embarking. We are part of the new exodus. And we are constantly, every Sunday, pilgrimaging here, processing towards heaven, So that as we detach from this world, casting off those things that are not of Christ, as we pilgrimage and process, we may more fully come into holy communion with God that we hope for in the fullness.
at the end of our lives. This brings us to our gospel and how we prepare for the holy sacrifice of the Mass. Now the way I'd like for us to look at the gospel is a way I hope you every Sunday or any time you're going to come to Mass will look at the readings. We're going to look at it like the way the church fathers would look at it, not just looking at it as a story or a very important encounter with Jesus Christ that blind Bartimaeus had, but looking at the details, looking at what was there, like doing an Alexio Divina sort of style, a divine reading, like asking God about the details, asking him to show us how it would apply to us. So let's look. What do we encounter? A blind man. What are we? Blind We are blind. We are blinded by our sin. We are blind by concupiscence, that ramification of what's left over from Adam and Eve choosing their disordered way of not choosing God. And it continues in us that we want to use things of this world in disordered ways that don't lead us to Jesus and his heart, which is what we call sin. The man, he's on the outskirts of town. We just talked about. We're pariahs. Like when we are, when we have been chosen by Christ, like when we are his own, like we're outcasts. He has gone to the outskirts of this town knowing that there's this Jesus guy out there. Like and he goes out because that's where I'm going to encounter him. Not in the city, not in the world. I have to be set apart for him. As a side note, important. And this is why we have to do all this work to prepare us for this great work of Christ in our midst as it's World Mission Sunday today, the reminder is as God brings us here so that he, the Prince of Peace, may enter us so that when we go in peace, we too, like Pope Francis talked about, we go to the peripheries. We go to the place where people need Jesus out there. When we've been transformed, we go. When we've been filled with joy, as our psalm was talking about, we go into the world to share it, that we have found a Savior and he has healed us and he's healing us still of our blindness as we pilgrimage towards heaven and we invite them to come with us to heaven but let's continue in what we need to do to prepare we hear like the man hears that Jesus is coming and at that he cries out this reminder to us like yes like we know God is here we know he's out there he is intimately close and we must cry out to him each and every Sunday every time we prepare for the mass when where maybe there's some difficult thing that's happening in our lives, cry out to God. He desires to hear our prayers. And when the world tells you, like, stop, or stop praying, or you've prayed for too long and nothing's changing, God must not hear your prayers. No, what do you do? Just like the blind man, Bartimaeus, cry out louder. Cry out louder to our God who loves you and desires to hear you. Don't stop. Keep professing the faith. Jesus, son of David, have pity on me. And here's the thing, Jesus hears, as he heard today, and he'll hear you too. Though it might seem like forever, which is something we can take from this. Bartimaeus was likely out there for days, weeks, months, years before he encountered Jesus. Like, you're not alone. God's hearing you. He will come to you when it's right for you. When he knows it will, your heart is ready to surrender everything to him. When he is, the word there, master is not right, it's a more intimate term, it's my teacher. I want my sight. When you are ready, when your heart is ready to cry out to God, then he'll come. So take courage, get up when you feel like maybe he's calling you and like cast off all the things of the world that you don't need, that are holding you back from embracing his love truly. But come, come with your blindness and your weakness and whatever you got because he knows we got it and he wants it.
But be ready. Because when you get to him, he's going to have a question. What do you want? Here's the thing. The God who created you without you will not save you without you. He desires your cooperation in his operation. He desires you and the surrender of your entire heart so he can give you his entire heart. He wants you to ask. He doesn't want you to just go through the motions. No intimate relationship is just going through the motions. He wants you to ask to give your whole heart so he can give his whole heart to you. That being said, I will say for those who are suffering, who have been crying out for years, if he doesn't give you what your heart would seemingly desire, what you think would be good for you on this earth, still the encouragement for us who are on a new exodus, like I said, when we come to him and we ask for healing, the truest healing, the one we need to be in holy communion with him, he will give us light, he will give us sight, he will give us his life, which we truly need. He will surely give that which we need, true sight, true life, if we, so that we can follow after him and go the way following him to eternal life. Now I say all that like to, not to mention this isn't just a one and done thing. This isn't just like I gave my life to Jesus Christ, my personal Lord and Savior. I had some big conversion moment. Again, this is always. This is daily. This is every time, especially when we come to Sunday and Holy Mass. Each of us needs to recognize, like our blindness, what we need to bring. When the priest says, pray, brother, that my sacrifice and yours, what sacrifices do you have? What do you, as a priestly class of people, made little priests, kingdom priests, in the waters of baptism, what sacrifice? What do you want Jesus to heal? you got to know it. you got to bring it. you got to ask it. Call out to him. Ask for that healing. So that when he... The blessed one who comes in the name of the Lord as the holy, holy, holy says. Then you give your heart to him as he's giving his heart to you in the Eucharist. So that when he's giving you the sacrifice and you are united with him truly, really, and substantially. In that intimate moment of lovers. He may give all of himself to you and begin healing more and more that heart. This is why God gives us holy mass. This is what is happening through the Mass when we will prepare for it. This is why Jesus, the high priestly king, comes and offers sacrifice to draw us into an intimate exchange so that as we surrender our hearts to him in true adoration and true worship with all the trappings, he may transform us and we may have victory in him. And he then can aid us on our pilgrimage and procession closer and closer through each and every encounter to the glorious celebration that awaits us in heaven, to the full communion that is an eternity with him. Remembering who he is and what he has done for us and what he will do for us today in our midst. Let us cry out in our hearts and let us worship him.